0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, everybody's favorite podcast from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. And I am joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. Woo!
1: <sighs> Yay. Hello, everyone. Well, thanks, Seth. Wow. Yeah, cheers this time. Applause and cheers. Yeah, we're I like getting it. big. <laughs> I am Beth Hoffman-Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. It's always a delight to talk about what happened the day before.
0: Yeah, so we are talking about the sermon yesterday uh, preached by our new colleague, Dwayne Davis, and this is his second sermon at Plymouth, and it is called A Witness to Glory, preached on January 10th, 2021. And the text was Matthew 2, 1 through 12, and that is uh, a pretty well-known uh, scripture about the wise guys, or wise men, or magi, or, you know, they, they, they go by lots of names. Dwayne likes to call
1: them the stargazers. The I stargazers. like stargazers, I like mm-hmm. that too.
0: So that is the setup for this conversation. We are glad you are here with us. We recorded this sermon on Thursday the 7th. On Wednesday the 6th, there was a happening at the U.S. Capitol that occupied everybody's attention. And so Duane had to, he had written his sermon, and based on the insurrection at the Capitol, had to shift it. And that is something that we have to do sometimes. We cannot ignore.
1: That's right. And we've talked about this before, that because we're not live, because we record several days before worship is seen, there is a span of time where things can happen. I remember, I'll never forget, I preached the Sunday after George Floyd was murdered. It was Pentecost Sunday, but we recorded on Thursday. And if you remember the events of that week, you know a lot happened on Thursday and Friday and Saturday uh, before that Sunday. And so we had to basically give a disclaimer at the beginning of worship, and certainly I did before I preached that sermon, just to recognize the fact that we can only address what we know at the moment.
0: We can't see the future, Beth? (laughs) Did you not learn that in seminary?
1: That was, yes, added to the list of things they don't teach you in seminary.
0: (laughs) You cannot read the future.
1: Yes. And I know that Because obviously the three of us had a lot of conversation on Wednesday afternoon and were developing our own statement to put out by early evening that Duane was returning to his sermon to see how and what uh, he needed to redo or revamp or rewrite.
0: I remember many years ago when I was working at Rockefeller Chapel at the University of Chicago, there was a terrorist attack in Paris that happened for us happened or was being reported on like a Saturday night and, and needing to spend all night trying to figure out what this new thing was. Does it fit into what was what I was trying to say before? Do I need to rewrite something? And, and that was, uh, yeah, we, we are called to respond to the things that happen, even if they happen right before.
1: Right. I know a lot of my clergy friends were sort of tossing out everything they had planned for that Sunday and, uh, and then having to rewrite or redo. Or, or sometimes I know that I have been in, in churches where something major has happened in the day or two before a Sunday, and I have to just come to the pulpit as I am and speak from my heart and depend less on a prepared manuscript and more about how to respond in the moment, which is another loss in this time of pandemic and the way, you know, no longer having in-person worship. We all recognize that's one of the many losses in this time. And still, Duane preached a powerful sermon and was able to speak very eloquently at the beginning of the sermon in response to the insurrection on Wednesday, which I it, really appreciated.
0: And we don't know how much he changed, but it it fit. No matter- whether, whether it was what he was planning on saying or not, it fit the moment and the need for the moment, too.
1: And I trust that that has a lot to do with divine intervention. I remember the Pentecost sermon, and both of you saying, both you and Paula saying to me after I recorded it, that regardless of what was going to happen in the next three days, the words would preach. Yeah, And that sometimes, again, the Word of God can tr- transcend, and the interpretation of the Word of God can transcend even the most devastating national events.
0: Yeah. So this sermon, as I said earlier, was is from Matthew two, and it is the story of the stargazers, the wise men, the magi. And this story has been over millennia really pulled into sort of outside of the Bible and into popular culture. And so there's things that many of us quote know about it that aren't actually in the Bible. There's been the creation that they each had a name. But that's not biblical. That was added. Melchior, Balthazar, and
1: Casper. Casper,
0: Gaspar, <laughs> not Casper. Not Casper the ghost. <laughs> oh, okay. Gaspar, Gaspar. Gaspar. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And
1: right. the fact that they we assume that there were three of them based on the fact that there were three gifts presented, but there could have been a whole lot more. There could have been women. It may yeah. not have just been men. It could have been a throng of stargazers that were traveling.
0: We don't know from where they came. It's the east. But when you're talking about Bethlehem and Judea and Jerusalem and the Roman Palestine area, that is a lot of the world is east of that. And it could have been, you know, 10 miles east or thousand miles east. There's a lot we don't know about it, but uh, we have popularized through Christmas pageants and stories and films we've sort of created. We filled in the holes for ourselves.
1: Correct. We like to include the wise men in our nativity scenes, but this could have happened when Jesus was a toddler. Uh, May not have happened. This story may not have happened right after his birth, but sometime later. But we like to think that all these events sort of happened rapidly in quick succession
0: they saw the star and they got there in hours newborn baby yeah and then this year with the it was being called the christmas star Where Jupiter and Saturn were close to each other, so it was a very bright light, and it hadn't happened for eight hundred years. years, Yes, and then eight hundred years before that was still not the time when Jesus may have been born, but it gets closer. And so, what is that? There was a lot of talk that that was like the Christmas star.
1: One of the things that I've always sort of amused about the story is that the travelers they wind up in Jerusalem. They kind of miss the mark, uh, and that's where they encounter. King Herod, even though that's really not where the star was, so they detoured.
0: And that gets to the, to what I think Duane was uh, was talking about. He was focusing on the idea of epiphany, and how often we go looking in the halls of power, in the to the many King Herods of our many ages, we, and we go to them for epiphany, but it's not there that we find it. We find it in a newborn baby. We find it in poverty. We find it on the margins. We find it in the unexpected places of our world and not with the many King Herods.
1: Right. One of the phrases that resonated so much with me in Duane's sermon was this revelatory state of mind, that we have to be in a place to seek revelation, to find epiphany, And as you just mentioned, we may get distracted because we're looking for it in the wrong places. But this whole idea of revelatory state of mind, meaning being open to finding God in unexpected ways, even in the darkest places of our lives, in the course of the events. I mean, we could talk a lot about the insurrection on Wednesday, and I bet we would find revelatory places. We would know where Epiphany happened, even in In those horrible moments.
0: And just as a footnote, the revelatory state of mind comes from the theologian James Kugel from his book, The Great Shift. We need to recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he goes on to talk more about this revelatory state of mind later on in the sermon and something that really landed for me and goes to what I was saying earlier, where he says, it may be that the reason far too many of us are unable to have a revelatory state of mind is because unlike the Magi, we have assumed that the things of God cannot be revealed among the poorest and the most vulnerable people among us. Our culture and economy have conditioned us to assume that God is only pleased to dwell or reveal God's self in the spectacle of power, empire, and grandeur.
1: And that is truth. And for those who really grab onto that understanding. It's so contrary to the Christian message. How can you believe that revelations only found in power when Jesus was born to a poor unmarried couple in a barn? You know, the incarnation of God comes to us in these, you can't even make up the story. You know, it's like this. I don't understand how people get so entrapped by power. I guess that's the big question, right? Yeah. When those of us who are followers of Jesus have to understand that the power of God rests explicitly in the most destitute situation.
0: And that the love of God is not commodified. The love of God is not more when you have more things and more power and more money. The love of God is as powerful, if not more powerful, like you said, in in the places of margins and poverty and oppression. But power has its way of taking our our gaze and taking our attention and riling us up both for and against. And so then we forget to look for the revelations, for the epiphanies that are happening all around us because we're so distracted by the shiny, loud, big, powerful objects in our life making a lot of noise.
1: That is why one of the things that Dwayne said that most resonated with me is the sentence. It is easy to miss the signs of change and wonder and newness because the empire has got us so preoccupied, so whipped up and so fed up. And if there is any doubt what is being revealed, know that the things of God do not countenance cruelty, hatred, or revenge. Herod's murderous intentions were thwarted, Because these wise men remain open to a holy
0: moment. And so the question for us that comes out of this is, how do we help ourselves not be constantly drawn into the places that distract us from the holy moments? How do we pay attention to them? On top of my mind, I watched the Pixar movie Soul last night, which I know Mm -hmm. you've seen. And how can these moments create a life and they're not the moments of power and grandeur?
1: Or how do we find our spark, which I think is soul's message yeah. to us? How do we find our spark? I will again say that I think it's rooted in some kind of spiritual practice. We are far we can be far more open to God's revelations to us when we tune in, when we purposefully put aside distractions, when we center ourselves in prayer, in meditation, in scripture, when we turn the news off so that we can tune into our own spirit and the way God is speaking to us.
0: Yeah, and sometimes when I've had conversations similar to this with people, that they, they express what seems to be almost an anxiety around missing something. How will I be informed? How will I be aware of the world around me if I don't read the news constantly, if I don't pay attention? And the reality is, one, the world is a lot larger than the news, And none of us are going to be praying 24 hours a day. There is, you can find balances where if you need to be informed about the movements of power in the world, you can balance that with times where you are paying attention to everything else. Mm. And that is the spiritual practices.
1: And I think the only way to recognize holy moments, which I know is a phrase that really resonates with you, Seth, Mm -hmm. the only way we can really recognize them is again, to pay attention. And to take the time to develop some discipline around really listening for God's voice in our midst and being willing to look in places we wouldn't expect God to be. One of my favorite questions to ask always in any situation is where is God in the midst of this? Mm -hmm. I think that's what Duane is inviting us to consider in the sermon. I think that's the message of epiphany. You know, epiphany means to make manifest, to make something real. And we're called as followers of Jesus to make the light of Jesus real in this time of epiphany. And how do we do that? We have to be willing to go where God is leading us.
0: In this series that we are doing until Lent, we seem to, we're talking about calling. And that is our calling. We are called to do this as people of faith, as human beings, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We are called to do this work and to find the holy moments and the epiphanies that will show up in the unexpected places.
1: I've been thinking about calling because Dwayne did not specifically use that word or even suggest that in this sermon, although to me that is what epiphany is about. A yeah. revelatory state of mind is a choice we would make with God's help in order to, to live in to what God is calling us to do.
0: So I'm taking from this as I go about my life and my week is... Again, and I feel like this is a consistent reminder of ours at Plymouth, and Duane has come at it from a a wonderful and new direction, to continue to sit in my spiritual practices and to pay attention to what is around me and to be open to holy moments, to revelatories, to epiphanies that are not in the loud, shiny places.
1: Yes, and I will continue to pray on that phrase, revelatory state of mind, that's what really grabbed at my heart, and again, the reminder that God is not found necessarily in places we might normally seek. The power, the jacking for attention, the empire that, the God, empire. Is, that God is found instead in on the street corner and on our buses and in the complicated cities in which we live in the places we may not choose to normally go. But that's where God is beckoning us to. That's where epiphany will be found.
0: It is an important reminder a little bit before Lent that no matter what you think or believe about Jesus, the person and or Jesus's divinity, it is empire that killed Jesus. Mm -hmm. Empire did it. That is this week's episode of in-depth with Beth and Seth. We are honored that you took 20 minutes to be with us today. We are eager to hear your thoughts or questions if you have any. Otherwise, we will see you the next time we're able to see you.
1: Blessings, everyone.